0: Good Tuesday morning and welcome to The Daily Buzz. I'm your host, once again, Sage Miller. I'll be spending the morning with you for the week. Imagine living to your 100th birthday and a futuristic article predicting historic events throughout your lifetime. I spoke with culture reporter Pollock J. Swall about just that. Pollock's recent story dives into an article published in 1922 that predicts what life would look like by 2022 and the man who witnessed it all happen. Good morning, Pollock. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Really neat story you wrote here, Pollock. My very first question is just talk to me a little bit about this article and the predictions that the author made.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it was actually written by a novelist. His name um, is W.L. George, and he was also a part-time journalist. So um, this This piece that I got to write about was actually an article Um, it wasn't from a book, but he was kind of known for writing these types of things in both his journalism career and in his novelist career so. um, Essentially, it was an article written in 1922 um, in Georgia looked at what the future would look like in 100 years and he made predictions which um, 100 years from 1922 is now in 2022. And what did, what did George get right? Actually, interesting enough, the things that he did get right, he got very right. And the things that he got wrong, he got very wrong. So, you know, he predicted that the big um, shining factor of 2022 will be medical discoveries. Um, When he wrote this in 1922, a few years later, uh, the first polio vaccine came around in 1929. And in 1982, 60 years after um, the first artificial heart was transplanted right here at the U- University of Utah. So um, we've had a lot of great medical discoveries and he also predicted you know, that flying would become commonplace which clearly there are hundreds and thousands of flights a day. Um, he predicted that everything phone wise would be wireless which is also very true. And um, he also made some cultural predictions, um, kind of, you know, movies would no longer just be silent. They would have sound and real color and stuff. So he got a lot of things right. And what did he get wrong? Uh, That is a funny question. So um, he predicted that in America, especially, there would only be one race. Um, and it would be the American race, you know, race and immigration wouldn't be an issue. So people could come from all over the country from Seattle or Florida, and they would just be American. It wouldn't be Oh, I'm from Seattle. Or, oh, I'm from Florida. So I think um, we're kind of far away from that. Um, he had a really basically optimistic and lofty goals about the role of race and culture um, in America that we haven't really seen, um, especially, you know, in the past couple of years. He also predicted that housework would become easier, which I thought was very funny. Um, He said that floors could become detachable and we could just wash them off very quickly. I think that would have been so cool and maybe it'll happen in the next hundred years, but it has not happened yet.
0: Another part that's really fascinating about your story is the fact that you talked to somebody who was born in 1921 and is still alive today. So how did those experiences align and what did you learn from the predictions versus the experience?
1: Yeah, so I got to talk to Wallace Cottrell. He was born in 1921, so he is 101 years old. Um, he was a great. He, uh, had a really great life. And part of the reason I wanted to talk to, um, a centenarian in Utah is, you know, George's original article is very, um more like a holistic view, right, of um, what America would be like, what Europe would be like. So I wanted to look at it from a Utah point of view. And Wallace really helped um, kind of fill that point of view. He was one of the first soldiers um, in response to the attack on Pearl Harbor. And he remembers um, the first boat that he was on, it wasn't prepared for battle. And so they had to turn around mid-trip to get another boat that was, you know, Uh, equipped with artillery and he recalls just he got seasick a lot he recalls just being on the fantail of the boat and just losing it because he felt so sick and he looked up long enough to see the boat turning around and so he was really able to just talk about um a life well lived um, he was an army kid and was kind of all over the place, and when he had his family, he was all over the place too so. Um, for a lot of his childhood he grew up here in utah and one funny fact he told me was. Um, He lived very close to East High School, that's where his childhood home was, and um, he remembers back then none of the houses had driveways or parking garages, so um, it was just kind of like one um, alleyway that people went through. So it was really great to hear um, from someone who has gone through so much and um, has seen so much innovation in the last hundred years.
0: Yeah. And I think he's still witnessing more innovation as well. Crazy. Yeah. My very last question is he's lived 101
1: years. What is his secret to a long life? Well, Sage, it's a pretty simple one. He told me you wake up one morning after you go to sleep, then you do that for a hundred years.
0: Honestly, probably best piece of advice we're ever going to get, Pollock. I agree. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me
0: head to sltrib.com to read the entire story. Next, did you know that Latter-day Saints came up with their own alphabet? The Tribune's Caitlin Bancroft discusses her reporting on a phonetic alphabet created by early Latter-day Saints living in Utah.
2: University of Illinois linguistics professor Ryan Shosted remembers how his grandmother spoke while he was growing up in Salt Lake City. She pronounced or words as R, he said. Fork became fark while horse became harse." Shosted wondered how far back the linguistic quirk went, so he began studying the Deseret alphabet. The 38 character phonetic alphabet was created by early members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints living in Utah. Though it never saw wide use, its phonetic nature means that documents written with this system are the closest thing available to a recording of how people spoke in the 19th century. Now, Shosted and a colleague, University of Illinois computer science professor Neil Davis, have made their ongoing research available online at the Illinois Deseret Consortium. The project makes searchable transcripts of text written in the desert alphabet, something that was previously impossible because there was no transcription system that recognizes desert characters. Documents available for research include Latter-day Saint scripture, meeting minutes, desert news articles, children's readers, and diaries kept by missionaries who transcribed the Hopi language using the specialized alphabet.
0: Layton Representative Steve Hardy, a longtime GOP lawmaker, was ousted at the Davis County Convention in March. But Hardy told opinion writer Robert Gerke he isn't ready to give up his seat just yet. Hardy says it's likely about 90 percent in on launching a writing campaign to challenge Trevor Lee, a political newcomer who received support from Davis County Republican delegates in March. The lawmaker said his decision comes after Lee used a transphobic slur on a political podcast last week. After the Tribune reported on Lee's comments, the Davis County GOP went as far as condemning Lee's remarks. Lee says he looks forward to contrasting ideas with Handy and challenging the idea that his own delegate win was a right-winged extreme event. And that's it for the Daily Buzz today. If you've enjoyed the local news in your ear every morning, consider reading the pod and sharing it with your pals. Today's episode was edited by me, Sage Miller, and a shout-out to Salt Lake City band The Pelicans for our music. Catch y'all tomorrow.